What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Elevate Experience. The podcast about overcoming struggles and adversity and how that relates to addiction, recovery, and health. I am your host and the CEO of Elevate Addiction Services, Angie Manson. And I'm Dallas Terrell, co-host and life intervention counselor at Elevate. Thank you so much for joining us, and let's jump right in. Yeah. So, hey, to switch gears, Chris, I, um, I like to talk to people about what their personal recovery looks like. Not in a sense of like giving answers to individuals, like maybe the audience or family members that are listening, but just to kind of point out some themes or give like kind of ideas. So as someone who is younger, who's 21, is crushing it in life, like what does your recovery look like now, you know, three, four years into recovery? What does that look like for you like currently? Absolutely. Um, so... I mean, the, the emphasis for me, and, and I find other areas begin to lack when I don't have this, is some kind of both social and familial support, and in, in this case, also romantic. Um, but there's this idea that I think social connection plays a huge role in it. You need to have some kind of foundation of people in your life that um, can hold you accountable, because me, I'm not perfect, and I'll slip. And so there's there's a lot of benefit to be gained from having supportive people in my life. That said, um, for me, it's, it's gotta be discipline for those moments because there isn't always going to be somebody around. <laughs> and cool. a lot of my time is spent in, in solitude doing the things that I need to do throughout the day. So keeping busy and, and staying to, you know, a disciplined schedule has been a, a huge benefit for me. It's, you know, working out six between six and seven days a week. It's, um, you know, practicing my mindfulness, both in the moment and formal practice. Um, it's reaching out when I feel like, you know, I need some additional support. Um, for me now, a, I mean, a huge part of my day-to-day life is, you know, running outpatient. And so uh, in terms of a recovery-oriented activity, that's usually sufficient for me because I'm doing that, you know, for a, a good chunk of my day. Uh, other than that, you know, I'm doing schoolwork and things of that nature, you know, throwing some recreation, going on walks, you know, playing with my dog, <laughs> things yeah. like that. Uh, and so, you know, f- for right now, my my recovery is, it relies heavily on my ability to stay true to the commitments that I've made for myself. And so that's that's working out this amount of times a week, that's getting up at a certain time, that's going to bed not too late, that's, you know, eating the right food. Um, and, and things of that nature. And so that, that plays a huge role for me. Dude, yeah. Great answer. Sounds very balanced. Like if we're looking at that wheel of life, man, you ticked all the boxes. That's amazing. Doing those regularly, actually, uh, plays a huge role, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love, I love the idea of balance. I love the idea of like segmenting your life and especially for me, right? I've been ADHD my whole life. So I'm really good at doing like one thing. Like I just tunnel vision. I could only do one thing and I still somewhat believe that. So the wheel of life, like every, every week or two, I pick one new area, like, you know, whether that's school or exercise or work or romance or, you know, family, wealth and fine, whatever it is. I just pick one every two weeks and I'm like, what can I do to really make that a little bit better right now? And then in two Great. weeks from then, I'll, I'll focus back on exercise and then I'll focus back on the relationship. And I leave a little bit of wiggle room because sometimes the, you know, the relationship, the every two weeks focusing on it doesn't always pay out. 
but <laughs> same with exercise. Got to be some balance. Yeah, right? so don't quote me on that one. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think another thing that came up that I wanted to ask you from from you, kind of answering your question and, and realizing that during the pandemic or during you know 2021 coronavirus type of thing, you know what what advice or what suggestions do you give to the people in outpatient? Right, like where can where do you point them for for community for that social kind of void? Where do you, what what solutions are out there for them, and what do you suggest? You know the the COVID pandemic has been incredibly trying, yeah, for people in yeah, especially it's been trying for everybody, but people in recovery especially. Uh, and, and the reason for that is that lack of social connection. And so, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for instance, via Zoom. Um, but unfortunately, you know, those interactions are neutered because of the nature of Zoom, right? So you're only, you're like able to see somebody, but you know, you can't really exchange like physical contact. You can't like hug your friend when you see him. Um, if you do see people like maybe, well, we'll get to that, but it's, it's been, in, it's been difficult trying to develop you know, an idea about like, what would constitute a balanced life when you can't do all of these things when you're, you know, your sphere of things that you're allowed to do is so small. Um, and in, in terms of maintaining recovery during this time, you know, outpatient has been one, you know, really solid thing that people can do, right? It's like, this is some social connection that you can have on a consistent basis, five nights a week, right? We can do this. Outside of that, you know, I've seen people have a lot of success with, you know, hiking, with running, just getting out into the community and doing something physical. That's been beneficial. Yeah. Um, you know, if you have, you know, some kind of friend that you can meet up with for something like a hike or a run or a walk, um, I've seen a lot of that help as well. And so that's that's absolutely something you can do. Uh, and then dependent on where you are. Uh, there's like gyms that are open or like, you know, soul cycle classes uh, and, and things of that nature. Now, meetups are pretty limited right now. And so that's been sort of this point of contention. It's like, what what can I actually get out and do right now? Um, because like, for instance, sitting down in restaurants <laughs> isn't something you could do for, you know, almost all of 2020. Um, and so that's definitely been a challenge. And, you know, every day we're trying to you know, brainstorm new ideas of things that we can, you know, get out into the community and do. For instance, with the contribution section of the Wheel of Life, a lot of that stuff relies on, you know, being able to uh, contact in person people that are in need of help. And a lot of those opportunities have been, you know, completely shut down or furloughed uh, for the last year. And so if you were to say, uh, you know, around the holiday season, wanted to volunteer for like Salvation Army, in a lot of cases, you couldn't yeah. because of, of, of the virus and the, and the nature of the world right now. And so it's definitely been a challenge. Yeah. Uh, well, and the thing that sucked about that, and we went through that too, because we've always helped out at the women's shelter, we brought presents, or we help out at uh, other places. And if you don't have the money to contribute, how do you give of yourself when you're not allowed to be there? It has yeah. been extremely challenging for sure. Yeah, no, that's very true. I mean, we have an organization we used to work with all the time and we kept checking in and checking in. We check in for, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter. And it was like, yeah, we're just we're not doing anything right now or we not. Not that they're not doing anything right now, but there was no need for volunteer. Uh, volunteering there was no need for additional help it wasn't 
the risk versus reward just wasn't worth it to them, and I completely get it, but, you know, it did make it difficult. Luckily for us three, we have this vehicle of being able to help people and be of service and also get the recovery piece like you mentioned, Chris. And, you know, one thing I did want to say is when clients are getting closer to the end of their program, I found myself encouraging them, you know, to do outpatient strictly for the social connection. Like, like, hey, man, check it out. When you get out of here, there's not going to be meetings. People, There's not going to be people to hang out with outside of Zoom. Even if you don't need that level of care, you should still do it. If you have insurance, go for it. You know, if, there, if there's a way to get yourself some outpatient for a relatively decent price, you should absolutely do it. Get three hours of recovery and then some. So I've really been... I don't want to say selling more pitching the idea that even if right. Cause some people were like, Oh, I don't need outpatient. I don't need to be in treatment. I'm done with treatment. I, I don't need this level of care. And I'm like, you probably don't, but you should use it for all these other pros. Go get yeah. all the extra help because it's not out there in the real world right now. Well, I think mm-hmm. that's a, a, a common mistake is I did the work. Now I'm fixed. It's like, no, no, no. You got to keep doing the work. It's a law of the universe. Like nothing stays the same. You can't say, oh, cool. I did all this work. Now I'm fixed. And I just continue. It's like, you got to keep doing work or you're going to start sliding back down the other side of the hill. Little things will fall out. And and we know how that works. It's like a snowball. And the more you're not working on yourself, the more you're actually destructing yourself. It's, It's surprising how quickly that change can take place. Right. It's just like it's the universal law of entropy. Yeah. <laughs> things will decrease over time naturally. Yeah. I think that's one of the one of the primary benefits I think of outpatient is that um there is an opportunity to connect socially and, yeah. and particularly needed and it's beneficial. Um and, and even if you're not, you know, you don't feel like you're in need of like that much care, there's still um I think there's still benefit to be gained there because it's very free flowing. You know, we, we stick to the schedule, but within that schedule, there's a lot of opportunity for bouncing ideas off of each other. And so, you know, depending on what you're going through in your life, you know, there's always going to be time for you to talk about that and receive some kind of feedback from other people that are in you know, a similar situation. So it's not just an echo chamber within your, your own mind Ooh. and you're not talking yourself anything not too great. So, yeah, an echo chamber of your own mind is a, uh, a ticket to hell, dude. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a one way ticket, dude, to shitsville. Yeah. Chris, how do you handle the different demographics? Because, for example, in residential, we can have one on one counselors paired up with somebody that's, you know, either their uh, age range or their gender or that sort of thing. But with you, you have to handle all of it, the entire diversity of young, old, newly uh, sober, been sober for a while. Like, how do you handle and meet everybody where they're at with such diversity? So it would be... <laughs> I was about to say, or do you? No, you know? or, yeah, or is yeah. that even possible? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it, it wouldn't be It wouldn't be accurate to say that I treat everyone the same. I think what it would be accurate to say is that, so there's a, I think it was Carl Rogers who, who first pioneered the idea of unconditional positive regard, right? And so that's that's sort of how I try to attack the sessions and, and my outpatient 
uh, in general is, is this idea of like, well, you're here, right? You had the motivation to show up tonight and, and you want to talk about what you're going through. And so because of that, you, you fulfilled your end of the bargain, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> and so regardless of what you're saying, like, I'm going to try to validate that. And I'm going to try to say, look, like I, I appreciate you for being here and talking about what you're going through, because that's a lot <laughs> in of itself, particularly if you're coming off, you're kind of something like a relapse, right? You relapse over the weekend and then you show up on Monday to outpatient and you're willing to talk about that. Like that's a huge win. That's cool. Right? Because you're not going to right? You're stopping in his tracks and you're doing something about it. And so for me, I try to, regardless of, you know, whatever stage somebody's at, what kind of demographic they belong to, you know, I, I try to, I try to acknowledge the hard work they're putting in. And, and even if that hard work is just them showing up and being willing to talk about what they're doing. And so I just, you know, I try to treat people with respect. I'm just, I think it's pretty, uh, I'm pretty basic. (laughs) Well, I definitely need to acknowledge and take this opportunity to acknowledge you and Dal because being the age that you guys are, it's sometimes difficult to gain the trust of older alcoholics slash addicts because they're like, what do you know? You're just a kid. And for you guys to really be able to say, actually, I do know. And although I'm young, I understand you guys do a phenomenal job of establishing that trust and establishing that authority where they actually listen to you guys, which is not easy because you guys, in my opinion, are at a disadvantage. You know, you don't have the 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 doctor's badge and the schooling and the, you know, age to say, I know better, you know, and you guys really like earn that. And I think that's amazing. Thanks, Ange. Yeah. Thank you. Maybe the mustache <laughs> helps, Chris. <laughs> yeah, maybe the mustache. That yeah, mustache the, the pegs you at 30, dude. <laughs> you look like you've experienced some life with that thing. <laughs> it comes and goes. <laughs> well, I think that's that's sort of the that's sort of the eternal problem of being like young in this position. Uh, that's something I've been, you know, dealing with uh to varying degrees of success <laughs> since Likewise. first starting in detox, you know, was was trying to establish you know, some kind of credibility. Um, and, you know, it, I, <laughs> it's not fair to say that I've mastered that, <laughs> but I certainly try uh, to, to just, you know, establish myself as somebody who's at the very least there to support whoever's in the session, right? So if you're, you know, 55, 60, you're coming off a relapse, you know, you, you don't want to hear how to live your life for me, like at the very least, I can try to provide some support for what you're going through and say, hey, you know, everybody here knows to some degree what you've been going through. And we're all here to support you and me, especially, you know, anything that you need that I can do, I will try to do for you. And so I think, you know, for me, that sort of that seems to work. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's just providing that support, being as kind as I can to that person and, and genuinely listening to what they have to say. And like that usually that usually does the trick. Well, and I think you hit it right there. Genuine. You're you are 100 percent genuine. You're not trying to do this. You're not trying to be there. You legitimately are that and living that and and your genuineness uh, doubt, too. I mean, you guys are just who you are. And that shows. And I think that right there puts people at ease because it's not uh, an authority figure telling them what it is. You're just being you and being there for them. And that really, I think, relays well to the clients. We hear it all the time. 
Yeah, no, that's absolutely the ticket. I love what I love. I, I appreciate your acknowledgement, Ange, and I appreciate Chris what you said too. And I, ex- I, I, I absolutely have the same experience of being 20, 22 years old and having to go tell some sixty-year-old alcoholic man who's lived a super successful life, and he's very bitter and angry yeah. at this point. I have to tell him. We'll say his name's Derek. Derek, you're late for block, dude. And you got to be there. And you just got a conduct violation. If you get two more, dude, you're going to be raking outside. So, Derek, you might want to get to group. Right? Like, that doesn't land well with anybody, you know? Derek doesn't want to hear that. Derek doesn't want to hear that. And I don't really want to tell Derek that, dude. But what does land well with Derek is when I'm like, Derek, what's up, man? How are you? And he's like, oh, I'm just, you know, struggling to move this morning. It's a little cold and my knees and my joints are uh, not feeling too well. I'm like, you know what, Derek? I'm going to get you some Tylenol, man. I'll bring it right over. Give him some Tylenol. Next group, dude, he's there on time. You know, and it's just meeting them where they're at. It has nothing to do with me. I am not yeah. the answer to their problems. And so I always just like to, my big thing is like, I know how to stay sober. That's that's why I'm here. I know how to stay sober. You're here to learn how to stay sober. How can we, how can I help you with that? Oh, you don't want yeah. my help? Okay. Well, when you do, I'll be here. I'm in the office down there. Let me know. And so when I try to establish my authority, when I am like working in ego, it doesn't work well, you know, and it's, I'm not there to, to change them. I'm, ter- I'm there to help them with what they're struggling with. And that, that's the conversation to have. And when I can have that conversation and be in that conversation, it's helpful. It's not rocket yeah, science, I, you know. No, that's that's an excellent way to look at it. Um, no, you're you're absolutely right. There's there's so much more to be gained by by trying to give something. Right. <laughs> you know, by trying to give your support, there's a lot more to be gained in those interactions. Everybody walks away feeling a little bit better instead of a little bit worse. So I think you looking to make it feel worse, you know. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we're here to do. You know? I'm, just gonna, I'm just here to project my pain, dude. You know. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> if you think that's not common, <laughs> yeah. you'd be surprised. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. It, it, it's that's sort of an overarching theme, I think. Yeah, dude, absolutely. Well, and once we can get people willing. That's meeting them where they're at. They're way more inclined to do it for themselves than feeling forced, pulled, pushed, manipulated into doing something. If we can get them to actually be willing to wanting to do it for themselves, that's where the magic happens. Nobody likes to do that under duress or protest. Yeah. You know, there's it's it's not necessary, you know, necessarily <laughs> to go to treatment on your own accord. Right. But you have to stay sober on your own accord, right? You have to do this, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, like you can receive support from others, but you have to do this yourself, right? And so there's a lot, there's a lot that has to be done internally in order to develop that motivation to, to maintain sobriety. And it's not an easy thing to do. This is the simultaneously the hardest and most rewarding thing I've done in my short life. <laughs> so, you know, I think it's, it's important to recognize that, that, you know, these, the people that come here for help, they're they're going through what could very well be the most difficult thing they ever go through. And so you're absolutely right, Dallas. Meet them where they're at. 
That's the play, dude. So, Chris, man, in your short life, you've done a lot, and I, you know, we've definitely acknowledged you for that. And you know, I still, Thank you. I still agree with you know, um, being very proud of how far you've come. Absolutely, dude. It's 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 amazing, and uh, um, I'm very have, I'm very blessed to have seen that growth. You know, like you're you're one of those clients, or you were one of those clients, right? That you just, it's like why you show up to work, you know, for people like Chris B, you know, like that type of story is why <laughs> you probably understand now why you do the work that you do. Yeah. What's next for you? What are you doing? You know, I know you mentioned going to school for psychology, like, dude, that's super badass. Where do you want to take that? What does that look like for you? So I, I think it's, it's an extension of the idea that I, that I talked about earlier that like, maybe if I could, if I could help somebody through what I've been through, then it would make it worth it. I think the extension of that now and into the future is, you know, right now it's getting a degree. Right. <laughs> right? And once, Full -time I, once I've got, gig. and the plan right now is to, is to get the, the bachelor's in psychology and then, you know, move on to, to uh, graduate school. And so, uh, longer term, I would like to be, uh, I would like to get a doctorate putting that out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the goal right now. And, and that's, um, that's actually for a number of reasons. I, I, it might be, it might be personal <laughs> wanting the credentials to back up what I say, but also more so than anything else, my goal is to learn as much as I can about this so that I can help more people. Yeah. And so I want to continue doing the outpatient for the foreseeable future. That's that's the goal, right? Is to continue doing this while I earn my degree and and learning more so that I can be more effective in my job. And then, you know, post that, I mean, the sky's the limit. <laughs> and so, uh, ideally, down the road, and and this is sort of a, it's it's barely articulated. That's very low resolution. But down the road, I, can see uh, I would like to both. I would like to both you know, practice in, in psychology in, in terms of, you know, addiction counseling and things of that nature and also do research and, and then also teach. And so sort of a threefold, um, you know, approach to how I would like to live my life down the road. Um, and ideally, I think that the reason behind that is that, you know, I would much rather try and develop something novel, a, a new way to treat addiction or a better way to treat addiction then spend the rest of my life trying to regurgitate what somebody else has already figured out. And so that's why I want to go for the credentials. That's why I want to get the doctorate. You know, that's why I want to continue practicing. And, and that's why I want to research is, is so that, you know, down the road, maybe in some small, you know, barely significant way, the work that I do could help somebody else get sober who's never come into contact with me. And so that's, that's sort of what I see for my life if everything goes according to plan. Oh, it will. <laughs> That's amazing. That is a goes. lofty but amazing goal. And I think uh, Dallas is right. Anyone who could do it, you could do it. No doubt about it. And hopefully you <laughs> yeah. stick with us the majority of it. You know, you come up, you become our LMFT, you become our clinical director, all while you're doing this yeah. other stuff too. That's my goal for you. <laughs> you, no heard it. you heard it here first, dude. The job's yours. You got the job, well. dude. Congrats. <laughs> I'll keep you updated. And, and, and that's the plan. So Perfect. Uh, I would be, I would be happy to be part of the team. Awesome. You know, in, in future, so. 
So, Chris, shifting gears, and I know we're getting near the end here, but I've got one thing, and you're the only person I know that we're going to interview that can answer this question. In this new world, the Zoom world and the virtual world, how the heck do you combat, and it's a new terminology because it never even existed before this year, Zoom fatigue? Like, how do we sit in front of a computer for so many hours and still stay engaged and present and getting stuff out of it. Cause I know even for myself after about an hour, I start getting bored. It's like easy for me to get on my phone without anybody noticing. I lose interest. Like how do you, and how do we stay engaged and handle the fatigue? That's, that's an excellent question. Uh, and it's, it's a difficult one to answer, but <laughs> you know, for the generation that grew up playing video games for hours and hours at a time, I mean, I you think the it. question is, I think it's, I think it's like, interest and motivation based rather than you know physiological fatigue based and so you know zoom fatigue may be combated through trying to make the content that's presented as interesting as possible uh, and now that's a difficult thing to do especially for <laughs> but, multiple hours on end yeah yeah outside of that um I, you know i'd say frequent breaks uh staying hydrated <laughs> <Things. Lots> of water <laughs> <laughs> mandate some push-ups every you know 30 to 45 minutes perfect <laughs> that's what i need to start doing every 20 minutes just drop and do some push-ups and then i'm back in <laughs> yeah no i think you know at the very least you know maybe getting outside just for a few minutes like five minutes at a time every you know every so often probably you know would help a little bit so yeah Dude, that's we should make like a a, a a blog i think that's what they would call it like a zoom fatigue blog by uh, PhD Chris Buenrostro on Zoom. Maybe that, <laughs> dude, maybe that's what you give to the world is Could be next. conquering Zoom fatigue for the young and the old. The young and the old. Come on, because you young apparently have no problem with it because of your game playing, your video game playing. So what about the old who didn't grow up that way? Practice. Screen practice. <laughs> there is... um. You know, there, there's a there's a whole bunch of a, a wealth of research on like blue light uh, that's emitted from you know computer screens, and there's glasses that you can get that are you know blue light glasses. And oh yeah, so Tom, they, Tom Tom loves wearing his blue light glasses. Uh, that's the, yeah. I now I don't know if that's like empirically validated, but I think that's <laughs> that that could be potentially makes him feel good. better. Well, <laughs> you heard it. <laughs> that's here. what we're looking for. <laughs> we're just looking to feel a little better, dude. Yeah. But I think I think combating Zoom fatigue probably has something to do with, on the one hand, you know that those physiological actions, so like getting up and and getting away from Zoom <laughs> for a few minutes every little while, and then also you know trying to make the the content that's presented and the conversations that are had as engaging as possible. So, well, and I think there. part of the problem is is just the lacking of that physical connectedness that we experience over Zoom. It's like super great that I get to see you because you're in Tahoe and we're here and we get this connection, but it's not the same as like me and Dal being right next to each mm. other and having that sort of close contact physical connection. And it's definitely a challenge. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely difficult. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's definitely like a watered down version of connection, but hey dude, connection nonetheless. Um, exactly. If I was to give my two cents on, on that question, I would say it's it's kind of similar to everything. It's just your interest and just noticing when you're not engaged. You know, there's things that I do all the time that aren't Zoom that the same fatigue happens. You know, yeah. whether that's coaching, whether that's counseling, whether that's listening. 
whether that's with TV, whatever it is, I notice when I don't care or I notice when I'm wandering or I notice when I'm slipping or whatever it may be, you know? So I think a good thing for Zoom fatigue is to just notice when you're fatigued, right? Once you notice it, then you can do something about it. And that's kind of where the discipline falls in, right? Having discipline to say, hey, you know, I know I notice you're tired, but you're actually hosting outpatient right now. So you don't really get to be (laughs) tired, Chris, and you have to... (laughs) You can't be fatigued right now, dude, so let's reel it in, you know? And and that's that's kind of how I live my life, just noticing with with what's going on, you know? And then, uh, you know, like troubleshooting accordingly. Yeah, you're right. And maybe it's just mindfulness, being aware of what's happening, and then discipline. It's like, this is happening, but I need to be here, so let me put in my discipline and be here. Yeah. And water. And get some water and do some (laughs) push-ups. Cousin Andy, I, I think that that's a collectively we we've attacked that question pretty well. I Dude. like it. <laughs> Three great minds. Awesome. <laughs> well, <laughs> not me, but okay. <laughs> Chris, it's been amazing seeing you today. We we should actually do these zooms more often since we can't do the in person so much anymore. I I really enjoyed. I hanging out with you and having these really, I think, great and productive conversations. Yeah. The research start just started. Yeah. It's been a, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you both for having me on this morning. Absolutely. Any uh, parting, parting thoughts uh, for, for our, any listeners that might be listening, any advice or thoughts or any last, anything you want to communicate? If I can do it, you can do it. There you go. I love it. dude. I love it. <laughs> Simple message, but very effective. Look at me. (laughs) All right, guys, that's our show for today. We hope you found some value from listening. And if you did, please share with someone you know or love. You can find us on social media. We are at Elevate Addiction Services. And if you or a loved one are struggling with addiction, please call our toll-free, confidential 24-hour helpline at 833-33-SOBER or visit our website at elevaterehab.org.